tell of all his wondrous works. Tell of all his wonders. No one can fathom. Tell of all his wonders. Remember the wonders he has done. No one can fathom. Wonderful, wonderful to tell. Wonderful to tell. Hello, this is Wonderful to Tell. I'm Tracy Conrad. Have you ever tried to get away from God or thought there's no way God could love me? Have you ever been hurt by someone and didn't know why God would let that happen? If you're listening to this podcast, maybe even by accident, this episode is for you. If you're discouraged, beaten down, exhausted, hopeless, lost, or brokenhearted, maybe you're suffering from shattered relationships, or feel like you're at the bottom of a deep pit and just want to drop your shovel, knowing you're unable to climb out. Please hear this message of hope. Here's Terrence Butler. Thank you, Tracy, and it's good to be here to to speak on Wonderful to Tell, and I want to also thank Jamal and Sarah That's what I love about the Lord. When you hear people from different backgrounds and their stories, there's a word in it for all of us. So thank you very much. Um, And I bet people have said this before as well, that they came with one story in mind and the Lord shook it up and changed it around. So I'm going to start pretty far back, but I'll I'll, I'll catch up. Um, The Lord blessed me with a really good memory and I can remember things. I'm, I'm 48 right now. I can remember things when I was three and four years old. And uh, it's pretty amazing if I met kids and I still um, am able to see them today and their face hadn't changed too much or their voice hadn't changed. I play the game of, hey, we, we had to go to elementary school together until we figure that out. So um, I remember really far back. Uh, I grew up in a, in a family of believers. My grandfather was a pastor in Como. They settled in Como in the uh, late 40s. Uh, my grandmother uh, was a homemaker. They had nine children. My mother was the second to the oldest. And so my memories are always being in church. Um, and I remember at a very early age, we le- actually left the church that my grandfather was a preacher at and went to uh, Community Christian Church. I remember that, <laughs> the name of the church that, uh, that we went to. And I remember the preacher uh, preaching and giving an invitation to Christian discipleship. And at five years old, I told my mother, I want to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Well, my mother had a lot of wisdom. She said, you just see people going up. I need to talk to you about what that is. And so every Sunday, and it felt like a year to me, maybe it was two weeks, but every Sunday I told her, when the pastor invites, invites us up, I want to give my life to the Lord. And uh, one Sunday she let me do that. And I say that because it's very, very important that I believe that the Lord heard me. I believe that's when I gave my uh, life to Jesus. And further on in my story, there was a time where I decided that I wanted to run my own life. And the thing about that is I believe that Jesus is faithful and he heard what I asked him. So he never let me go, even though for a while I tried to turn my back on him. Uh, so, uh, I'm going to go like, again, early on, I'm in uh, school and I always remember being really nervous in school. Um, I grew up in a single parent home, so we moved around a lot and I always felt like I was a new kid in class. And with that brings a lot of instability. 
So, you know, bullies picked on me and I've always been, you know, wanted to be kind, a big smile on my face. So I believe in some cases that that made me a target. And so I would, you know, even at a very young age, did school because I didn't want to to get into fights with kids that were that were being mean or, you know, have the teacher that that really didn't know any better that would, you know, point me out, ask me a question. And when I didn't know the answer, really shame me or belittle me. And I'm like, I don't want any part of school because I remember even before I went to school, how loving and nurturing my mom was. And I'm like, why would I want to leave that to go here? (laughs) So um, I really, I really uh, felt out of place when I was, when I was in, in, in school, that was all through my elementary um, age. There was a time, and I grew up in Fort Worth, Texas, in Como, but there was a time that we moved from Texas to move to California for about three years. And if, um, I'm sure all the listeners and people in the room, most of you have probably been to California, it was really, really beautiful. The palm trees, the sun, and all that. But the place that we picked to live, once the sun went down, you heard a lot of ambulances, uh, gunfire, and all of that. Now, every day I would ask my mom, we need to leave California and please take me back to Texas. And my sister, she'll come into the story a little later. She she loved it there, but I uh, am, am pretty persistent. So I, I begged her. And that was in the early 70s. And that's when gangs first started. So it was nothing for me to see kids uh, joining gangs or being in gangs. And they even tried to recruit me. And it looks it looks a lot different than if you watch a, a, a movie. These are kids that, that don't have parental guidance that are building a surrogate family with one another. And I remember they're like, you'll be in this club if you go and do something. I'm like, well, what do I have to do? And they're like, well, you have to steal something. And I remember going with them to the grocery store and I picked up a pencil. So, so. <laughs> But I remember hearing my mother in the back of my mind, if you steal this, I'm going to whip your behind. So I put it down and I said, hey, guys, is there another way? And they said, well, we have to beat you up. And I'm like, I'd rather you guys beat me up than than my mother get me for stealing a pencil. So they did that. And uh, I was always very, very inquisitive. So I would just kind of pal around with the guys. But we weren't really doing anything because we were probably six, seven, eight years old. And that's, that's how early it starts about seven, eight years old. And I just remember being with the group one day and I asked the guys, I said, Hey, there's an older lady over there. And she had a shopping cart. I said, if y'all wanted something from her, would you go and get it? They're like, yeah, we're a gang. And that's what we do. And I told them, I, I can't do that. And I walked away from them. And again, that goes back to being five years old and giving my life to the Lord. We do have choices when God has us sealed. And what was amazing about that story, you hear a lot of horror stories about when you try or when you want to leave a gang, those guys still protected me. They were like, hey, he can't, we're not going to hurt him or harm him, but nobody else can. And so I wasn't with them. I decided not to be with them anymore. And they, they honored that. So I'm going to fast forward. Uh, my persistency, uh, I believe, got us back to Texas. <laughs> and I was so very happy. We moved in uh, with, my, with my grandparents and, and, you know, the rest of elementary school uh, went pretty normal. And I remember being in middle school 
and uh, loving it because that was the first time I'd gone through all three grades at the same school. I went to Monty Middle School and I went to sixth, seventh, and eighth, and that's when you could play sports and I had good buddies and it really, you know, things really started to to turn around there. And um, I had some friends that were, you know, talking about, you know, in eighth grade experimenting with, you know, marijuana and things like that. And uh, I was the good church boy. So I was youth department president and all those things. And I said, not me. I will uh, hang around uh, this group, but it, it won't get me and I won't do that. And uh, there's a passage of scripture that talks about uh, not being my good, good uh, bad morals can corrupt good judgment. And I'm sorry that I'm paraphrasing that. And I say that because if you're the only good one in that bunch and people are doing negative things, you can fall prey uh, to those things that are going on. And so about freshman year or beginning of the sophomore year, I started experimenting uh, with, with some, some different things. I was at Arlington Heights at the time. And probably my senior year in high school, I had... Uh, become a party animal and there's no other way to put it and it was uh started the the unraveling of things always worked started working at 14 uh years old and fell in love with food and beverage so uh, my first job was uh, at burger king on camp Bowie, and i worked hard there went to school every day and uh if i didn't have a job there i had a job somewhere always worked i wanted to you know help my mom and buy my own school clothes and different things like that. Uh, but about, not about my senior year, I decided that I didn't uh, have to or want to listen uh, to the teachers. And so the second semester of my senior year, um, I walked away from high school and I said, I'm just going to work full time. And um, I did that and, and I would go from restaurant to restaurant and work hard and, and, and had some roommates and just kind of living that, living that life. And uh, I thought, this isn't going to end too well. I'm going to have to do something different. And uh, uh, unfortunately, but fortunately, I met my wife at about 21 with this lifestyle uh, full blown. And I thought, that's it. Uh, She's going to save me because I can I want to be a good husband. You know, of course, I told you I was uh, um, grew up in a single parent home, so. I didn't have a father to model that for me. I had a wonderful grandfather, and he loved his family uh, very well, but uh, I didn't have a, a father in my life. And so uh, my wife and I had a whirlwind engagement. We were engaged three months and, uh, and got married. And I lived that life for 10 years, uh, and it only gets worse. But uh, I was at the Four Seasons uh, at the time, and, and I thought, hey, there's going to be an appointment that I'm going to, uh, to have, and then I'm just going to, I'm going to be complete. Once I get that promotion, and it would be promotion after promotion, and still nothing. And uh, where I say um, the, the beginning uh, of change took place, one day my wife said, enough. If you don't get help for um, all these things that you're doing, um, I'm gone. And I remember... I mean, that was like a gut punch because that's what sin is. Sin is you don't know how how bad it is. It's fun until it's not fun. And I'm like, my wife wants to leave? Like, I was 
I mean, I've told you the story, and y'all are probably thinking, "What? Duh!" But I, I, I didn't, I didn't know that that I was uh, putting her through that much. And I said, "I know I didn't, know I didn't want to leave, lose my wife." So I said, "I'm going to try." And I didn't believe it was going to work. I sat at dinner uh, with my wife one night, and uh, I'm sorry if I get a little emotional, but I sat at dinner one night and I told her, um, "You can choose to stay with me, but I'm going to be the." this way until I die. And I believed that it, again, it had ceased from being fun and it was a need to do those things that I was doing to, uh, not feel the pain. And I did leave parts out of my story when I was about five years old, a family member hurt me that I trusted. And when you go, uh, to rehab and I agreed to go to rehab, they ask you all these questions. Have you ever been hurt? And you answer these questions and you see these patterns in your life. And you go, that's why I was making all these bonehead decisions. But we know as believers that we're sinners that are saved by grace. But again, apart from Christ, that's the decisions that I was going to make in my life. But what made this different when I um, got to this place, uh, and it wasn't a Christian um, um, rehabilitation, they said that in order for this to work, you have to have a relationship with God. And I went, whoa. They didn't say, they said God, and they said, what what we want you to do every day is ask the Lord to take it away from you, and when he does, say thank you. And about three days into that, I was delivered. And that was 15 years ago. And the life that I get to lead lead today, a husband, a father, a grandfather, grandkids that never and will never know that 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 old guy is incredible. So what I want to what I want to do is I want to encourage everyone uh, in Romans 828. Um, all, all things, y'all help me. I just, cause, uh, all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord, who are called according to his purposes. Thank, thank you. Uh, that scripture used to give me trouble and I'll tell you why, because I was hurt in my life and I'm like, all things, surely not all things. How, how can that work for good? And so after the Lord delivered me, And now my vocation is to work with children. I went to a presentation of of how to, you know, spot people that may hurt children and all of this. And it was in the middle of the presentation, uh, the lady that was giving the presentation stopped and said, I've shown you the wall of all the people that hurt children and do all that. It was a video. And she said, but now I want to tell you some people who would be good to work with children. Maybe somebody who was hurt. And that could be a gatekeeper. And right there, I heard Romans eight twenty eight, yeah. and that that became my my life verse. Um, but I am, I am I'm going to end with uh, I have two wonderful grandchildren that love Jesus. They're an example to me every night. I'm blessed for them to live with us. I'll run past their bedroom sometime, and they'll go, Grandpa. <laughs> We didn't pray yet. Are you going to come in and pray? And, I'm, and, and their prayers bring heaven down. And I know they're going to be mighty men and women of God. And thank you very much for allowing me to share.
I love what Terrence shared, that once you have given your life to Jesus, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Just as it says in Ephesians 1.13, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. In Isaiah 49.16, God says, See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. And the passage from John 10, 27 through 29. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Once we belong to Christ... There is nowhere we can go that He will not hold us with His strong arm. Even when we try to get away from Him, we are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. I hope that this promise will meet each of you today, wherever you are, and in whatever impossible situation you may be experiencing, that you will ask the Lord to take it away, and when He delivers you, say thank you. This has been wonderful to tell. We hope you will subscribe to our show. To learn more about Terrence and his work at River Tree Academy, check out our website at wonderfultotell.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at wonderfultotell. This episode was produced by Michael Brad and Tracy Conrad with the invaluable support of our crew members, Lindy, Kevin, Katie, Karen, Nancy, Mark, Debbie, Haley, Jeffrey, and John Alfred. Michael Conrad composed our intro, Lindy came up with our name, and Matt, Jeff, and Justin from Fort Worth High Tech Signs created our logo. If you have a story wonderful to tell, let us know. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and at our website, wonderfultotell.com. Thanks for listening.